the Catholic Channel Sirius XM 129 presents Just Love with your host, Monsignor Kevin Sullivan, Executive Director of Catholic Charities of the Archdiocese of New York. Welcome to Just Love. Just do it. Just love God. Just love your neighbor. Just love yourself. And our world will be more just and it will be more compassionate. This is our weekly conversation about what's going on in the world from the perspective of our Catholic social teaching. We talk about things that are in the news, but we also look at them with a particular prism. It's a prism of what do our Catholic beliefs and our Catholic values say to us about what's going on in the world? Are they good things? Are they bad things? Is there ways we can influence them so that they become better? We talk about making our world more just and more compassionate. And that's what our Catholic actions are supposed to do, make the world more just and make the world more compassionate. And so this week, we're going to talk about a couple of different topics that are, uh, I think, pretty relevant to that overall theme. We're going to speak about Catholic Relief Services, and they're having a national gathering uh, at the end of June. Uh, to talk about uh, various types of humanitarian and development aid. And then a little bit later on in the show, we're going to speak with um, uh, J.R. Zerkowski as we're kind of drawing towards the end of, of the month in which Gay Pride is celebrated. And it's important for us as Catholics to talk about that because um, there is a lot of misunderstanding about our Catholic teaching on that. Um, we firmly believe in the in marriage between a man and a woman, but at the same time, that does not make us anti-gay. It doesn't make us against people who have, uh, because of their sexual orientation. And it's pretty important that we make sure that we communicate that, that everybody's worthy of dignity and respect. And none of that diminishes our belief in the holiness, the sanctum, uh, the um, the sanctity of Christian marriage between a man and a woman. Though I know some people think that those things are intention, like you can't hold one without the other. But no, our Catholic position does affirm the importance of marriage, and it does affirm the dignity of every person made in uh, the image and likeness of God. Uh, regardless of their sexual orientation. So those are the topics we're going to be uh, speaking about uh, this week on Just Love. And Tom, I know that we um, celebrated, uh, you know, the past week, we celebrated Juneteenth. And we had our guest last week talking about Juneteenth. Tom, what was your, any reflections that you have on as how Juneteenth was celebrated from what you saw going on or the things that were being highlighted? I thought, Miss Cena, you know, I mean, from from what some of the things that were going on in the city, there was, you know, a lot of uh, celebrations. Um, a lot of them were in predominantly communities of color. I mean, I will say that. But I thought that from my perspective, I think there's a growing awareness of Juneteenth. I think that, um, you know, a little bit what we talked about on the show last week, you know, it, it's I think it's a newer holiday. I think um, people, um, you know, are becoming more aware of it. I thought one interesting thing was a lot of people 
were referring to it as Emancipation Day. And I thought that was a very interesting way to call it, because I think with Juneteenth, you know, if people are not aware of the origin of what Juneteenth is, people may think it's a celebration of the summer solstice or something about June. But I thought calling it Emancipation Day was kind of a neat way to kind of talk about it, because, you know, let's face it, that was it's it's both the emancipation of uh, those that were enslaved uh, in 1863, but it was also how the notification of that emancipation came about to be in the hearing of the people in 1865. So, so I thought I, I liked that way they phrased it. I liked that term emancipation day. I thought that was a good way to phrase it. Yeah, that's very interesting because uh, as we talked about on the show um, last week or so was, you know, it's not a holiday that had been well known. It still may not be all that well known, but it is a federal holiday. So it does have a lot of uh, visibility these days. Uh, but I do think you're right, Tom. I mean, Juneteenth, it's it's kind of like a little bit of a kind of a funny putting together of, of two words, mm-hmm. you know. And so without a little bit of a quote unquote tagline, people, I think, you know, might not know what it means. So I think. That is not a bad not a bad idea. You know, one of the things, Tom, that I noticed, which uh, was a little bit of a surprise to me, is uh, it's a federal holiday. Mm-hmm. But was a what was of a surprise to me is it seemed to me and to be less observed than some of the others mm-hmm. as a closed out of businesses or things things like like that. And I mean, I, I have a very very simple, very kind of personal take on some of these days. I just look at traffic. Hours traffic. <laughs> you know, is there a lot of it? Is there a little of it? And, you know, uh, like I've noticed on like Martin Luther King Day, mm-hmm. a lot less traffic. Around. Yeah. But, on, you know, a little bit selfishly, on Juneteenth, when I went to go someplace, I said, wow, this is a federal holiday. I should be able to not have to deal with so much traffic. But there was a lot more traffic than on many other days. And I think what you said, it's a relatively new holiday and probably, you know, it's it's not as well observed as some of the other other holidays. But we could go into a whole little thing about how so many of the holidays now become big shopping days. Yes. Not really days of rest. And so. It is a little bit of a interesting background that I see when I kind of look at that at those holidays. So anyway, uh, so Tom, why don't we go to our first guest? Our first guest is uh, Desiree Findlay, who is a facilitator and a trainer at Catholic Relief Services, and uh, we're going to speak about what. Catholic Relief Service is doing and the National Gathering that's in Washington at the end of June. Uh, Desiree Finlay, thank you so much for being with us on Just Love. Yeah, thanks for having me. I don't come with a whole lot of experience, but I have some passion, so hopefully I can share that today. (laughs) Well, um, passion is important, and it's very, very good. So listen, Desiree, would you... um, um, give our listeners, since they I can see you on Zoom, but they can't, um, so they can just hear your voice. So give them a little bit of sense of your background, how you got 
into this position and what you've been doing? Yeah, well, I am located currently in Albuquerque, New Mexico, where I grew up and um, did, you know, got my education here in New Mexico and then traveled a little bit. I was a teacher for a while and then ended up uh, working with the Felician Sisters of North America, doing a lot of education around the country, you know, talking with parishes or schools about what the sisters did and what a religious life was. And then I moved back to New Mexico and in looking for work, Catholic Relief Services and I found each other. So now I'm a trainer and facilitator, which works out because my background in education, you know, helps with that. And uh, then getting to work with all kinds of groups around the country also helps with that. <laughs> Great. Desiree, thank you so much. When you were teaching, what did you teach? I taught Spanish, religion, and dance. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> wow. That is, that is, that is great. So you could kind of um, sing Lord of the Dance in Spanish. <laughs> <laughs> Not quite, but you know, maybe I'll get there one day. <laughs> oh, that is great. That is, that is good. So are you actually facilitating at this gathering at Catholic University? I am. I am leading a workshop on building diverse, equitable, and inclusive teams. And then I am also facilitating a panel conversation about uh, our climate campaign. Ah, so I'm going to tell you that um, Tom uh, is our champion on climate. So he is, he is a, he's a kindred spirit. Now, (laughs) I mean, if you don't tell too many people, um, it's one of those areas that I got to get my emotions going on. I mean, intellectually, I really understand the importance of dealing with the climate and climate change and all of that. But I got to tell you, it's not one of those topics that like gets me at my core. So, but, so I have to kind of work up a little bit of a, of, of kind of a, an emotional kind of grabbing around that topic rather than being just intellectual. So help me, Desiree, tell me about your conference or your panel that you're doing on climate. What are you going to be talking about at that? Yeah, so in the panel conversation, we have three CRS staff members, and I'm really excited because each of them comes from a different background. So one of them specifically works with our constituents in the U.S. and educating people. She's also a trainer. Um, Another one comes with actual experience in Guatemala and uh, what he's seen with climate change there. And then we have a policy expert who can come and bring the legislative piece. So I'm really looking forward. I'm going to be learning more. I've already been learning as I've been preparing for um, leading this panel. But yeah, I I understand what you're saying. You know, it's hard to really connect like, uh, you know, as I mentioned, passion, the passion and the understanding sometimes. And I used to, I was an intern with Catholic Climate Covenant. And actually before that, I you know, it's similar with you. I understood, you know, taking care of the earth is important. So I did my thing and I recycled and, you know, then I had my faith life and that those two seemed very separate. And then when I was an intern, I kind of understood that, well, since God created the earth and people, we are all in this together. And it's, you know, it is part of my faith that I would care for creation because it's part of what God brought for us. Okay. Gee, 
Desiree, that was a really, really nice way that you express that. Thank you so much, <laughs> and thank you for sharing that uh, with our with our listeners. So let me. I, I'm intrigued by the Guatemala guest that you have. Uh, have you looked into that in any way yet, or are you just wait until that person comes on the panel? Yeah. So I did a little bit of research about what's happening in Guatemala and. Uh, learned about actually a very specific program called the Water Smart Agriculture Program. Okay. Um, implemented by CRS and pretty much because a lot of small holder farmers would do like the slash and burn technique and they kind of clear the ground thinking that a clean fresh start is the best. It doesn't really give the ground a chance to hold in moisture and nutrients. And so this technique helps to create like ground cover and, um, varied species of plants to make sure that the ground is healthy and it maintains the moisture. So none of this is anything that I ever knew before, but in preparing, now I, I know about some of these programs. So I look forward to learning more from him next week. So let me share with you, Desiree, a little bit that I learned through yeah. the graciousness of CRS's um, expertise and knowledge. Uh, I went to the Northern Triangle in uh, Central America, probably about four or five years ago, a year or so before COVID began. And we visited um, those three countries of El Salvador, Guatemala, and um, and Honduras. Um, the, um, and so one of the, on one of them, we visited farmers who were being impacted by climate change. Right. And, you know, if my memory was better, I would say it was Guatemala, but I can't say that. It may have been it may have been El Salvador where we met the, the farmers. I'm not sure. But precisely what you're talking about is how were they dealing with the climate change? How were they dealing with that? Now, one of the things they told us is they were developing new plants that had a much shorter growing season. Mm -hmm. So because there wasn't a lot of water, they like they, they reduced the growing season so they could plant maybe two or three different crops during the year. Mm -hmm. And that way they could get more out of the land. So mm -hmm. I was fascinated by the way that people were trying to adapt to the impact of climate change. Yeah, yeah, that's a really good point because in all my learning and even in researching some of the policy pieces, you just said the word adapt and I didn't even know there were, you know, adaptation and mitigation or what the difference even was between those and learning that so like the water smart agriculture program or the one you're describing is about dealing with the parts of climate change that are already here that we can't really change. And so along with farming techniques, there also is drought, you know, that's been lasting for years now. And so farmers are having to come up with techniques to just adapt to this new weather pattern. Okay. All right. So, hey, that is, we're speaking with um, Desiree Finley, who is a trainer and a facilitator, Catholic Relief Services, and she's going to be doing that at their national gathering at Catholic University at the end of June. Now, I have to say that Desiree, um, unfortunately, at the beginning of our conversation, misspoke. She didn't tell us the truth. 
because <laughs> she said she didn't know much. But I just learned in the past five or 10 minutes a lot. So Desiree, you're not allowed to say that anymore. You know a lot. Uh-oh, Thank uh-oh. you for sharing that with our <laughs> listeners. So let's go on to the other. I don't know if the other is a panel or what is the one you're doing on diversity? Yes. Yeah. So I got to completely design that one and I decided to have almost like a panel, but it will be instead of an interactive conversation, pretty much just some volunteers sharing their experiences in a conversation that the wider group is listening to. Um, So talking about, you know, what kind of groups they're part of, would they define them as diverse? Um, Have they felt welcome in those groups? What helped them to feel welcome? And that way people can understand, you know, and wanting to build these diverse teams, what helps and what doesn't work. And, you know, not only do we want to represent the diversity of the United States within our teams, but also the diversity of those that we're working with around the world. And you, you kind of designed that yourself. I did get to design it, yeah, (laughs) which was a little stressful, but also kind of fun. (laughs) And so you're kind of excited about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I am now. I wasn't at the beginning. I was like, this is a lot of work, but I have a great team. And so brainstorming together was really helpful. So in the area of what you're, what are you hoping to, what, what are you hoping that the people who participate in the panel, what will they get out of it if they, if they, participate in the panel mm-hmm. the you mean the volunteers that are speaking in my uh or the people who will be in a tent because it's not only mm-hmm. the speakers the people will come and use my words eavesdrop <laughs> on, the, on the panel or on the conversation yeah i you know the one word that keeps coming back to me as i'm preparing is awareness and i think just being aware of self aware of our thoughts because when we're not aware of those thoughts, whether it comes to diversity and inclusion or other aspects of life, then our behavior is determined by thoughts we're not even aware of, (laughs) you know? And I think it was St. Catherine of Siena, maybe who is quoted as saying self-knowledge is the pathway to heaven or to God. And I think that it's because it puts us in right relationship with each other, with ourselves, with our Lord, because we're aware of what's going on inside of us. And so that, that's really what I want is for people to walk away with what kind of thoughts do I have about myself? What kind of thoughts do I have about other people, especially when it comes to like the diversity of ethnicity or even age and gender and, and how can I work to extend beyond my, my comfort level? That sounds really, really, that sounds really interesting. Really good. Um, So, so Desiree, can, uh, would you humor me as an irrelevant (laughs) old boomer who's like kind of out of it now and doesn't understand what's going on. Can, can I ask you like, like a big, big question and there's no right or wrong answer, but I want to ask you a big, big question. All right. Let's see. Okay. So my big, big question is that, you know, when I was like your age, 4 million years ago. Okay. um, We, we would oftentimes talk about, how there is a common humanity that everyone is made in God's image and likeness. And there needs to be solidarity because we're all made in God's image and likeness. We're all a part of the human, human race. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of a thing that I think motivated a lot of 
our generation, me, about, you know, we wanted to make the world better for everybody because mm -hmm. everybody deserved it. So again, this is just my big, big question, which may be wrong, but nowadays I hear less talk about the humanity of all of us and more talk about our individual identity, whether it be as a woman or as an Afro-American or as a white person or as a Latino. And to me, being an old irrelevant boomer, I sometimes get a little bit, bit um, not confused, but like, isn't there a common humanity that like, I wanna say triumphs or, so do you get a little bit of the gist of my question? Yeah, I I think my my initial image is a common. So while there's a common humanity, we don't all have a common experience, and those experiences are based on whether we choose that or not. Our skin color, right. our age, um, you know, our country of origin, and so putting one blanket sort of maybe statement or idea or way of being on all of humanity doesn't quite work because not everyone in humanity thinks, feels, you know, it experiences the same. And so actually a good example is when I went to Haiti for the first time. And I, I mean, I'd been out of the country a couple of times, but I was pretty young. And so I don't, you know, didn't really remember those experiences. And this was the first time it was something so different than the United States. And so I go and I'm like, people are talking to each other differently. People are, people are acting different, you know? And it was like, wait, I am expecting everyone to think and act and engage the way I have as an American my entire life. And not everybody is going to act or think or be like an American. So I think it's, it's similar to that is like, because of how we grew up, where we grew up, you know, good or bad, we all think interact differently. Good answer. That helps me. <laughs> that helps me uh, a whole lot. So in the area of diversity, inclusion, that area, what do you think, and this goes a little bit beyond your workshop, what are the major challenges that we're facing as society today? I mean, I know that's a very broad, broad question, but what do you, when you think about the, you say, do you hear the real important hot areas that that we really need to deal with mm -hmm. um again i'm just going to say the first thing that comes to my mind and to me it's duplicity it's either my way or your way or it's you know this is right and this is wrong and then we don't leave room to meet each other in the middle and and i think that sort of creates just such a divide then between any, any, you know, again, back to like between mm. race, between gender, between sexual orientation. So we say, nope, right or wrong, me or you, and then there's no us. Right. That's a, that's a good, good answer. Now, okay, so here's my question. You, you work for Catholic Relief Services at the moment, facilitator, trainer. You can tell me Catholic Relief Services is in probably 70, 90, I don't know, how many different? Countries? About 100. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So which of those countries is on your bucket list? And 
which which what what are the top three on your bucket list? Ooh, well, I would say top three are pretty personal because I just did my um, ethnicity. You know, I found that out. So I am found out I'm a quarter Nigerian. Okay. And I've never been to Nigeria, so I'd love to go. Um, but my dad was born and raised in Trinidad and Tobago, so I would love to go there. Okay. And I would love to go back to Haiti. I made some really great friends there, and I would love to see them again. Okay. That's, um, I like those. So <laughs> I've never been to Haiti. I've never been to Trinidad and Tobago. Mm-hmm. And um, Haiti, Trinidad, and where, Nigeria? Yeah. I've never been there either. So right. we should go. Am, yeah, okay. <laughs> Sounds good to me. I did actually I did get an offer, um, which I hopefully am going to take up next year. Somebody's organizing kind of a humanitarian trip to, I believe, Kenya. Oh, and right. and I've never, I've never I, I'm gonna say this in a funny way. I've never really been to Africa, okay? Because I did sneak over the border. From Israel into Sinai and Egypt, okay. you know, for like a few miles. Right. So technically, I was in Africa, but I don't really think that counts. So, um, so Africa is one of those places, you know, I'd like to go, and I may get to go, may get to go next year. Um, sure. So, um, I didn't even ask you about. Tell me a little bit about the conference. Yeah. Well. Um, basically, it's the first annual national gathering, so we are pretty excited to start something new. And basically, we invited um, as many of our highly engaged partners and volunteers. So we have about 130 people coming from around the United States. So some of them are college students, some are high school advisors, diocesan directors, uh, CRS chapter members and leaders. So pretty much we're getting together to engage in faith fellowship we're going to learn together so we've got a lot of other great workshops like um forming you know learning how to form relationships with your members of congress and um, skills for fundraising so lots of learning opportunities and then we have an action opportunity and we're going to go to capitol hill in the middle of the week and meet with our legislators okay well i know what the two best panels are going to be I mean, I don't even have to. I don't have to look it up. Uh, anyway, so I'm. I'm. If I were to go, and I'd go to the one on climate, and I'd go to the one on diversity, because I know those two are going to be the best. As well, I, I won't tell my teammates, but thank you. <laughs> no, you can tell your teammates. Oh. Ask them for a raise because <laughs> you got the best yeah. best ones that are that are there. Hey, Tom. Um, I know Tom. You've done a lot of work with um, with uh, with CRS. Mm-hmm. And you're familiar with this gathering, right? I am. I am a senior. Yep. Okay. Do you have any questions? Any anything you want to uh, ask Desiree about? Well, I thought Desiree. I mean, you know, I think you know, like my senior said, I know I, I myself am going to be going to the conference, so I'm very excited, Desiree. And like my senior said, I'm going. I to don't mean to offend anybody, Desiree, but but <laughs> Tom is our resident tree hugger. <laughs> <laughs> so I would you go to the climate change one anyway. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, but I'm especially going to go because it's yours. And I think the diversity one, too. Desiree, I just think, you know, I mean, going down to the conference, I know one of the days uh, we're going to be going over, to, as you mentioned, to Capitol Hill. Right. So I know one of the things we're going to be talking about, I think, is, you know, the importance of of uh, of foreign aid and particularly humanitarian uh, and development aid. And mm-hmm. so I don't know if there's anything you wanted to share with that. 
or a little bit about, you know, some of the funding that's so important to the work of Catholic Relief Services that we're going to be going over and advocating with our senators and our our, our House members about. Right. Yeah. So I do have a fun fact that I learned along the way. We love fun facts <laughs> because, because in New York, for some of the fundraising we do in New York, you got to go to some receptions and stuff like that. And if you have fun facts, it makes it a little bit less boring. So out with your fun fact, Desiree. Excellent. So when it comes to the federal budget, I learned that 1% goes to international assistance and only half of that 1% goes to like program development. So, you know, while people might think, oh, we give so much money outside of the country, that's a little tiny bit of all the money that we do have. So um, I, I think that's a fun fact. Or maybe it's not so fun for people, but I don't know. <laughs> well, I think that is a good fun fact. I think that is a good, good fact. But, right, but since you brought it up, I'm now going to put you on the spot. <laughs> what is the federal budget? How much? Well, I don't know this year's budget. I do know that they're in the middle of working on next year's. And that's why that's part of why now, why we're doing this now, is because it's about the timing. <laughs> so. So Desiree, I'm recommending you to be the press secretary for somebody because you completely deflected that question with a perfect answer. So it was really, it was really good. You know, you know why I asked it? Because I don't know the answer. <laughs> but it's all, but it's, but let me tell you, it's a lot of money. So it's, yeah. it's a lot yeah, of money. Now, well, now maybe. I will go look it up, but maybe we've got our listeners curious and they might go look yeah, it up. Yeah, they might move it up, but it's more than a more than a few bucks. Anyway. Hey Desiree, listen, thanks so much for taking the time to being with us on Just Love. I learned a whole lot, and I'm sure our listeners did. And 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 you got me a little bit further down the line in kind of getting excited about climate change. <laughs> it's gonna take me a while because I'm slow. But I'm at least moving in the right direction. So movement is still movement. <laughs> it is. Desiree Findlay, who is a trainer, facilitator, Catholic Relief Services, where at the end of the month, when Catholic Relief Services has their national gathering at Catholic University, she's going to be involved in two workshops or panels, one on climate and the other on diversity. And so I'm delighted that she spent a little bit of time with our listeners on Just Love. Thank you so much. And really have a great conference and good luck. Thank you so much. Take care. Thanks for having me. Okay, you're welcome. Tom, I think it's time for us to take a break. Just love, just love God, just love your neighbor, just love yourself. And our world will be more just and it will be more compassionate. We'll be back in just a moment on the Catholic Channel, Sirius XM 129.
Now, let's get back to Just Love and your host, Monsignor Kevin Sullivan. Just Love. This is our weekly conversation about the church in the world. We say just love, just love God, just love neighbor, just love yourself, and our world will be more just, and it will be more compassionate. Um, This is the opportunity to reflect on the things um, that are going on, things that um, we hope will uh, inspire us to live our lives better and to be agents that bring the world more in the direction of justice, more in the direction of compassion. And so this week we are speaking about a we're speaking about a variety of topics. And well, one of the topics that we do need to speak about is the topic of religious freedom. We need to speak about the um, what's going on in the world, which sometimes isn't that great. And so, you know, we speak about religious freedom, uh, but, and so we're going to speak about that in a show in the upcoming, upcoming weeks, um, and to look at how our world uh, deals with diversity, divisiveness, and sometimes it's around religion. We're now going to speak with our second guest, who is Stan J.R. Zarkowski. He is the executive director of Fortunate Families. And we were lucky that Stan was a guest of ours um, a while ago, and I'm delighted to have him back with us on the show. Stan Zarkowski, thank you for joining us on Just Love. I'm delighted to be with you, Monsignor. (laughs) Great. Um, so again, I know you were on us before, but you know maybe some of our listeners weren't listening at that time. So tell us a little bit about Fortunate Families, the organization that you're the executive director of. Sure. Well, Fortunate Families exists to create avenues of communication and encounter between LGBTQ families uh, who have LGBTQ children. Um, and pastors and bishops and archbishops and cardinals and, and church structures, whether it's campus ministry or it happens to be uh, a parish or educational venues or anything else, so that we can create opportunities for dialogue, for encounter, and for intentional ministry and outreach uh, to LGBTQ people. And um, how long has the Fortune family has been around? Force of Family has been around since the early 90s, and we've changed our mission a little bit in the last several years. Originally, uh, parents had a hard, Catholic parents had a hard time uh, sort of putting together their Roman Catholicism and loving their children. They don't have that issue so great anymore. Uh, so we changed our ministerial outlook, and now it's, it's to build these opportunities for ministry. You know, it sort of feeds right into this synodal process that, that we're looking at right now and enlarging the tent. If we're enlarging the tent, we're trying to bring in the LGBTQ people into the heart of the church. You know, 
you'll, you'll probably appreciate this sort of analogy, Monsignor. Cardinal Dolan likes to say, welcome everybody to America's parish. I think he's on to something over there at St. Patrick's Cathedral. That's sort of what we're doing. We're taking it right out of the Cardinal Dolan playbook and saying to everybody, welcome to the church's parish. Welcome to the heart of the parish. And like he likes to say, too, here comes everybody. Well, sure, we're trying to bring everybody in. People especially who feel alienated, people who feel they're not listened to. Um, and now we can call them by name because the synod document, uh, the working document, has called them LGBTQ+. Design of respect, terrific on behalf of the church. So now we can work with that and say, hey, we've seen you, we hear you, and we're bringing you back in. We're bringing you back in. Welcome, everybody. Can I ask you an off-topic off question? Because you Absolutely. Okay. Can you tell me what the word synod means and synodality? I mean, <laughs> well, yeah, uh, <laughs> I, I, I am no, I am no, uh, I, I am, I'm, I'm lost for words, but I think what it means. No, uh, no I, that was a little bit of a rhetorical yeah, question. I, and and I, I, but I, but I do think that it call, I think that, that the entire synodal process, and it's a way of being church, right, Monsignor? It's a right. way of walking together and being church. And I think fortunate families, I'm going to toot our own horn for a second, we try to be uh, you know, synodal in our approach years ago. Right. And I, I think that's sort of why we sort of applaud this process and this walking together and this time of discernment. Uh, right. Because we tried to, we tried to be like that for all these years. And maybe yeah. we, we've accomplished something. I hope we have. Well, um, Stan, I go back and forth, depending on the... The week, I sometimes I think this is a crazy word or name that the Pope came up for this. And then another week I said, you know, maybe it's the best name for it because nobody knows what it means. And so therefore they can make it up and make it mean whatever they want. Now, I know that's not true. okay, but um, but so I go back and forth whether I think it was brilliant or a little crazy. So it depends on, on the day of the week. <laughs> well, I, you know, and, and, and doesn't that just feed into the entire process of discernment? I mean, either we're brilliant or we're crazy, but the spirit sort of uh, is propelling us in whatever, hopefully, in whatever way we're moving. And to some, it seems crazy. I mean, That's to some, you have no idea. I should share my emails with you and, <laughs> and some. I get that, that think that I'm just off the wall and force your families off the wall and the bishops that think that we should be welcoming LGBTQ people and the Holy Father himself. Uh, I'm, I'm sure Cardinal Dolan uh, got his uh, got his fill too with the letter that he sent to outreach. I mean, a wonderful letter welcoming LGBTQ plus Catholics and their, and their families. That could seem off the wall to some people. So I think it's, you know, we're learning how to walk together and we may appear different ways uh, to different people, but hopefully it's that spirit that's really propelling all of us in the same direction, walking together as a church. So that way, so that way, here comes everybody. So that way, we can become one family, right? Yeah, I think you're right on that, and I, I mean certainly that resonates a lot with me. And I'll just share with you a little bit of an experience—not an experience, but in my own parish in New York, which is right near Grand Central Station. Um, I was pretty upset uh, during I've I, past few times. I'm pretty get pretty upset uh, with some of the presidential election rhetoric 
in which people imply, and some people more than imply, say that if you're really Catholic, you have to vote for one candidate or the other candidate. And, you know, I think there were people who said, well, if you're really Catholic, you can't vote for him. You can't vote for him. You have to. And, you know, I'm not if we took a poll or we did it, maybe it was more people saying you couldn't vote for for one candidate than the other. But there were people on both sides. And so I kind of wrote a um, I wrote something in our bulletin, which basically said, um, listen, um, we're the church. Come, we want you here. Some of you will vote for Trump. Others of you will vote for Biden. Some of you won't vote. I wish you would, but come, be part of our, be part of our power. You are welcome here at the Eucharist. Your political ideology doesn't make you not Catholic, doesn't make you unwelcome here. Now, I'm pretty sure I, most people, I think, appreciated that. But I'm sure there were people who kind of said, uh, oh, no, that's wrong. If you vote for this one, you can't you can't vote for that one. You, so I think, you know, it doesn't surprise me that in our you know, divided world, we kind of do get, um, you know, we get people on both sides who don't like people who are on the other side. Sure. And I think, you know, especially in this ministry that, that, uh, that I'm privileged to serve in, I think we have to be, I think I have to be very careful. We all need to be very careful that we don't vilify others and that we understand that others are on the same journey that we're on. If I'm, if I'm advocating for LGBTQ persons and their families and their friends to feel accepted, that others should listen to their stories, that there should be encounter between the leaders of the church and the rank and file in the church and LGBTQ plus people. Well, then by the same token, I think LGBTQ plus people and their families and their friends have to understand, too, that not everybody's on the same place in the journey, even in the discussion. Mm. Vilifying people doesn't help, number one. And I think, number two, treating people as though they are ideas does not help. So that's where fortunate families, I think the beauty of it, and even the LGBTQ plus ministry in the parish that I serve in Lexington and the diocesan LGBTQ uh, commission in the diocese of Lexington, all of those things all try to build that culture of encounter where we no longer look at people as ideas. We look at them as the redeemed children of God with an incredible dignity who need to be accompanied. And then we discern how do we best do that with respect, compassion, and sensitivity that the catechism calls us to exhibit toward people who are LGBT. Yeah. You know, it, it's interesting what you say. I, I mean, I think, I, I think it's right on target. Um, you, you know, I mean, there's, there was this book which says, I'm okay, you're okay. You know, it, and there are, whenever you do a phrase like that, it can be misused. So I don't think you make phrases out into the gospel, but sometimes they, they're helpful in a, in a little way. Um, is that it almost seems in some of the the really vitriolic conversations we have about issues, it, it almost is like, it's not, you can't only be open to me, you have to, you have to say you support my way of doing things. 
You know, it, it's, it's, you know, I listen to, we can all pick on them, the politicians. I mean, it doesn't, it seems like reality doesn't matter. They, they, there's, there's a talking point and, and facts don't matter because I have my talking point. And sometimes I think in the world that we're talking about, what you're talking about is becoming harder and harder. Absolutely. You know, I, I, I think, you know, personally, one of the things that I, that I mention as I speak around this country, I'll never understand, Monsignor, what it's like to be you, to be an ordained priest who is a celibate man who pours out his life for the people of God. I'll never understand that. I'll never understand what it's like to, to be a transgender. Right. I will, but that doesn't mean that I can't accompany someone. It doesn't mean right. I can't try to love them the best I can, to listen to their stories, to try to somehow or another treat them not like an idea that's in my head that says, man, I can't understand you, so therefore, uh-uh. Yeah. And so what I what I kind of say when and when you talked about um, you know, you can't understand um me as a priest celibacy, when when people I think put priests and whatever on a little bit of a too high a pedestal, what I oftentimes say. And I can't understand what it means to change a diaper at three o'clock in the morning when I've been working all day and I just want to get a good night's sleep. I I don't understand what that's that's about. And, you know, and to use another little phrase, we certainly live in a world in which there are a lot of us who who very much want to play the victim and like nobody knows the troubles I've seen. Well, that may be true, but then you don't know the troubles that somebody else has seen. Exactly. And I, and I think that's where, you know, going back to that synodal process again, and that synodal walking together, if we can learn to walk together, we're listening to each other's stories, and we're somehow or another learning, I think, I hope, yeah. respect one another, how to love one and how to discern where do we go from here? Right. We move forward to be the body of Christ the best that we can, understanding Without you understanding how to change a diaper, without me understanding what it means to be a trans person, without me understanding what the bishops are trying to go through in their offices, trying to keep everybody happy and trying to love everybody the best they can, we all can somehow just realize everybody's trying their best. We might be going at a, at a very small you know, speed forward, but we're moving forward. You know, the Canadian bishops said something interesting about this working document. They said that it, it expresses um, a healthy restlessness in the church. I love it. I love that restlessness, that struggle, that wrestling. I think that's a sign of love. It's a sign of love on behalf of the church, especially for the people that I represent, LGBTQ plus people and their families. So I say, take it and run with it. Take the good signs, take the embrace, take the wrestling and know that you're loved. So Joe, before I let you go, and you've been so generous with your time. I mean, there are things on the horizon. What do you see the next challenge for your ministry? I mean, you mentioned that the inclusion of the the term LBGTPQ plus in the document was a was a was a positive step forward. What do you see as one of the challenges or a couple of the challenges at the current time in moving further forward? Sure. I, I think one big challenge that we have at the moment is having the rank and file of parishioners 
understand without judgment who their LGBTQ plus uh, parishioners are as well. I think oftentimes uh, there's, there's a certain judgment that comes with somebody coming out of the closet. Right. Unhealthy. So I think that's a, that's a, that's a big challenge that we have not to presume anything about someone, but to love them as a sibling in Christ. I think. Stan J.R. Zakowski, the executive director of Fortunate Families. Once more, he has been a wonderful guest on Just Love. And I hope that it has been a good experience for our listeners learning a little bit more. Thank you so much for being with us and thank you for your ministry. Monsignor, thank you. And thanks, thanks for all that you do. Thank you so much. Great. Just love, just love God, just love your neighbor, just love yourself. And our world will be more just and it will be more compassionate. We'll be back in just a moment on the Catholic Channel, Sirius XM 129. Just do it. Just love. Just check out Monsignor Kevin Sullivan, who's here right now. Take it away, Monsignor. Welcome back to Just Love. Just do it. Just love God. Just love your neighbor. Just love yourself. And our world will be more just 
and it will be more compassionate. So, Tom, what do you what do you hope to uh, get out of the gathering for CRS down in Washington? I I think Monsignor, uh, you know, I, I like some of the things that I I know Desiree didn't really get into it, but there's been kind of some uh, bit of a kind of a transition and focus that CRS has. So one of the things that they uh, are also looking to do is they're looking to develop more robust structures in dioceses, like in the parishes, they call them chapters. So, uh, and they haven't really shared a lot of information about them yet. So I kind of want to go down. I want to be able to have a conversation with folks, find out a little bit more what these chapters are about. So that's one thing. And the other thing, Monsignor, is just to go and to be an advocate when we go to Congress and talk a little bit, as she had mentioned, about, you know, the, you know, public aid uh, for folks in the developing world, especially development aid, because, you know, I think, Monsignor, you've gone uh, down to the Northern Triangle. I had the opportunity with CRS to go over to, to Ethiopia and Tanzania and to see the good work on the ground that's being done. And, you know, but that good work requires... Um, requires funds, requires, you know, uh, input and requires finances. So I think if we could be, or if I could be, I should speak for myself, the voice uh, to come over and say, listen, I've seen this good work happening. I encourage you to support it. Um, this is something that's very important and it helps people in the developing world. Um, I, I look forward to being that voice in Congress and hopefully maybe convincing some of our Congress members to do the right thing. That's my hope. Tom, you've done previously, um, you've, you've been to Capitol Hill and you've done, uh, you've done stuff there. Um, how do you find the receptivity when you are speaking to people about, um, about the work of CRS? I find them very receptive. I think a lot of times people haven't had the opportunity to go overseas. So even if they're congressional staffers, I mean, maybe some of the Congress people have and maybe some of their staffers have, but not all. So I think they really are very responsive in the same way domestically. When we go down and talk about, you know, programs that we also run and and the impact on the ground, I think people are really very open to hearing that um, because I think, you know, from my from my from my perspective, I think that they, um, you know, they want to know that the work that they do. Uh, in kind of putting together budgets and things is actually funding good work on the ground. So I find them to be receptive to those conversations, especially if you tell personal stories. You have to tell your personal stories once here. And it can't just be statistics. It's got to be the impact that you witnessed, you know, women, children. I think people respond to that. Okay. So I asked Desiree her question. Do you have a, do you have another country on your bucket list? I do. My next country I'd like to go to is India. I'd love okay. to go. I would. So well, if I can get, if if I could parlay, if I could parlay a free trip in Washington, D.C. to India once a year. Well, actually, I mean, you know, India sometime is in the next few years supposed to be the most populous country in the world. Absolutely. Absolutely. Those numbers are going up. Okay. So anyway, so just love, just love God, just love your neighbor. Just love yourself, and our world will be more just, and it will be more compassionate. Join us when we come back next week on the Catholic Channel, Sirius XM 129. You're listening to the Catholic Channel, 
Sirius XM 129.